My first experience with confession was in that same Catholic church, Our Lady of the Rosary, uh, where I periodically entered into that little back room with a dark window between me and Father Russo, our elderly Italian priest. The same priest that baptized me as an infant gave me my, fi- my first Holy Eucharist or communion and blessed my entrance into spiritual adulthood in the sacrament of confirmation. At a young age, I would sit in this little room and I would fill in the blanks. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been blank. Two months since my last confession, and these are my sins. Blank. I argued with my sister, and I disobeyed my parents. Those are my two main sins that I was prepared to confess pretty much every time. And then he would forgive me and give me my prayer prescription. I was to go and pray to our fathers and three Hail Marys. This was the pattern every few months when I was scheduled to go by my parents or my CCD, my Sunday school teacher. And as I got older, I began to to see my sins in two groups, acceptable sins and unacceptable sins. The ones I would confess to the priest and the ones I would not. The ones I did did not feel particularly shameful about and were reoccurring and normal, the fighting with the sister and the disobeying the parents. Those were easy to confess out loud. The others remained in the darkness. 1 John 1, 5 through 9 says this. I don't have this on the screen, but you can just listen with me. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out truth. But if we walk in light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It took me years to realize that I was really missing out. I was keeping my sins in darkness and had no fellowship with Jesus, my Heavenly Father, or with Holy Spirit. Most of all, I didn't know the gospel. I didn't understand the truth that had set me free from sin. I didn't understand the price that Jesus had paid to atone for all of my sins, past, present, and future. And I did not know the invitation to walk in the light and be purified. The gospel is the truth that sets us free from our shame. Jesus' death on the cross, as Foster mentioned, is the ultimate triumph over sin once and for all but it's also the power and the grace we continue to access through our faith. We must keep the gospel before us. Before I was married, I lived with the previous pastors of Antioch, Brighton, Jeff and Sarah Bianchi, and their children. Some of you know them. And um, every single morning when Jeff wakes up, he preaches the gospel to himself. And he would tell our church that, or I was on staff at the time in Brighton, and He would say that he did that, but I actually had had witnessed it in my life living in their home. And at the time, I thought it was a really good practice as an evangelist. Jeff is highly gifted in evangelism, if you know him. So it it made sense to me that he would do that and be ready at any time to share the gospel and his testimony, and he would. As an aspiring evangelist myself, I wanted to adopt this practice too. But Jeff did not do this to sharpen his gifts or practice his skill. 
He preached the gospel to himself every day so that he would remember his place before the throne of heaven, so that he would know his weakness, his humanity, and he would know God's power and grace to forgive. He still does this to remind himself who his God is, mighty to save, and who Jeff is, a sinner, who we are, who I am, a sinner. I think we forget this a lot of the time, actually. I think we get really good at doing church things and doing Christian things, and we forget that we're still sinners who sin pretty much every day of our lives. It's not always intentional or deliberate disobedience to God and His Word, but we sin. Keeping the gospel before us keeps us humble. It keeps us aware of our sins and invites us into fresh forgiveness. Our response to our sin reveals a lot about our understanding of who God is and who we are. Let's look quickly at our friend David. I'm going to read to you Psalm 51. It's a little bit long, but hang in there. Uh, This is the psalm that David wrote after he was busted by the prophet Nathaniel for his incident with Bathsheba. This is what David says in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful at the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence away from me or take away your Holy Spirit. How we respond to our sin reveals how we understand the gospel. In our standing with Jesus. David could have been defensive, tried to cover it up, denied, lied, responded in pride. He was the king, the anointed one of God. But he gets low. He remembers his place and who put him there. Who will continue to rule and reign long after David is gone? David knows who his God is and how weak he is without him. Do you? We need to engage in regular rhythms of confession in order to keep the gospel before us. We also need confession as a means to tending our heart. Confession leads the way to renewing our minds and being transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the message version. It's better to be listened to instead of read anyways. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Recognize what He truly wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. 
It's good. Our lives on this earth are, are made to love God, to be loved by him and obey his word. But because we are a mess and our world is a mess, it takes a lot more effort than was intended. This is a simple message, but it's not easy. There's a lot of internal work, intentional, aggressive, proactive work that we have to do. One piece of this eternal work is renewing our minds and begins with reflection and confession. Stillness. Being. Listening. Sitting in some hard things. Talking to God about them and remembering who he is and who we are. To confess literally means to say again. God is not surprised by our sin and our weakness. When we face our sin, it's not the first time that God is facing them. It's bringing those places out of darkness and into light. To say again that sin is sin and we are sinners. Nothing new, nothing surprising. To say again in the light, to expose. And that's where we're able to receive forgiveness again. Forgive literally means to send away. Our sins get sent away and we replace them. We replace lies and untruths and misunderstandings about who God is and about who we are. And in that place, our minds are transformed. Forgive us of debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Sin or debt, something owed or a literal offense to God. I'm not going to talk, talk much about outward sins today, what I call outward sins. Sins that are kind of flat-out actions that are not in line with God and His Word, like disobedience to my parents or hitting my sister in the back. Yes, those are definitely sins, but sometimes those outward sins are the easiest sins to confess because we get busted, like David. Yes, confess and bring those things into the light with God and with others. Remind yourself of the gospel, walk in humility, and renew your mind. But today I want to talk about those internal sins that sometimes are deeper, rooted in something that may even seem impossible to bring to light and send away. Impossible to forgive because you've accepted it as part of who you are, your personality. The sins like pride, bitterness, self-hatred, boasting, gossip, coveting, division, and unforgiveness. Can I confess to you today? I confess my weakness, my insecurities in preaching and standing before you as some expert on anything. I confess my pride, my desire to do that thing really well, to sound good, to leave you all encouraged and make you feel a certain way and do a certain thing. I confess control. I confess that I can play God, put myself on the throne to do his work. I make myself or my words or my actions an idol, and I repent. I confess my need for you, God, for you to speak through me, to go before me, to fashion my words and breathe life into everything that I say, especially now. Send it away. Replace this with truth of who you are and who I am. Father, forgive me. You are God, and you alone bring revelation, conviction, power and glory to your name. Help me, Jesus, to know that in my weakness, you are made strong. And thank you for your mercy. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. 
There's a bold assumption in this line about our role in forgiveness. Don't miss that. Anger and bitterness towards our brothers and sisters and neighbors and coworkers is sin. Anger is real and our feelings are not sin, but how we respond to forgiveness and sin reveals how we understand the gospel and how we understand Jesus and how others see Jesus. Mercy. So why don't we have regular rhythms of confession? Well, the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, many other denominations do have regular rhythms of confession. And I think that the Protestant Church has swung so far away from religious practices in the name of relationship with Jesus. But when we think about it, confession is actually relational at its core. It is about our relationship with Jesus and one another. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Tertullian, early Christian author around 200 AD, says this. Regarding confession, some of this work, sorry, some flee from this work as being an exposure of themselves, or they put it off from day to day. I presume they are more mindful of modesty than of salvation. Like those who contract a disease in more shameful parts of their body, and they shun making themselves known to the physician, so thus they perish along with their own bashfulness. I think that we're afraid. We're shameful and we're self-righteous. There's probably more reasons, but let's start here with Tertullian. We can be afraid of how God or others might respond because we've forgotten who our God is and what he's like. We have to, uh, sorry, we have let our fear and shame cover up the truth that we have a God, the only God who forgives, who has forgiven, who sent his son to atone for our sins and continues to show mercy and kindness towards us in our sin. The God who is a good father, a good shepherd, and a comforter the God of justice and compassion and mercy, who knows every hair on your head and every thought that comes across your mind. We forget. Or maybe we know that God, but we think we're more like him than all the others around us made in his image as well. We're self-righteous. We think our sin is lesser than his or hers, so we don't need to confess it. God knows, so I don't need to face it with him. He can just deal with it in the darkness. More lies. We believe lies. Also, we're just too busy. We'd rather do things than sit, be still, and know that he is God. Lastly, I think we don't do it because we don't know how. But that's also just a bad excuse because we have resources available at the tip of our fingers to figure out how to do anything and everything, even confess. So how do we do it? Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. We ask God to search us. We are a church. We are a church network and a movement that listens and hears the voice of God. Ask him if there's anything that has grieved his heart. How have I failed to love you with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? 
Another way to engage in reflection can look like reading the abbreviated version of the law, the Ten Commandments. Make it a regular rhythm in your life. Alarm on your phone, weekly practices, evening prayer, or just ask someone to ask you about the last time that you met with Jesus and engaged in confession. Ask for help. Do it with a friend or a spouse or a mentor or a pastor. Early on in our house church, when we were meeting just once a month, there was a woman who felt led by the Spirit to open up our space for open confession. This wasn't planned, but it has marked our church. All during COVID, we would take communion over Zoom and engage in confession. And most Sundays in our small house church, when we open confession, every single person participates out loud. It's become part of our DNA. It's a practice that leads us in life everlasting, into light and freedom, being transformed into his likeness. After confession, one person or each person might declare forgiveness over the others. The blood of Jesus covers you, and you are made clean. I weep every time. <laughs> the power of confession out loud to those in your trusted church family is beyond measure, and we highly recommend it. This practice has also really redeemed my previous experience as confession as a child with my priests. Personally, I have adopted evening prayer in my time with God. A few minutes each night, I allow God to search me, bring to mind any offensive way in me. I ask God to, rep to remind me of my instances of sin that day, and I sit with them as he brings them to mind, and I confess and send them away, receiving forgiveness afresh. I also love this app. It's called 365 Lexio. I don't know if anybody has it, but it has a morning and evening meditation. E evening meditation and prayer time has a confession component every night, and you can just listen to this Scottish voice leads you through confession in the Lord. Lexio 365 is great. What has it looked like for you in the past? What could it look like? We're actually going to take a couple of minutes now uh, to come up with a plan. We're going to make a plan for regular rhythms of confession in order to keep the gospel before us and renew our minds to be transformed. So before we pray together, before we respond in worship and in song, I'm just going to take, give you two minutes to do that with the Lord. All right, hopefully the Holy Spirit inspired some plan for you. I'm a very practical person, so. Um, another way to do confession is through scripted prayers. There's so many written prayers that have been used over centuries in the church about confession. So use them. Invite the Holy Spirit in as you sit and read and listen to him then you can respond to his conviction. This is actually what we're going to start off our response time with today. So if the band wants to come up, uh, what we're going to do is read aloud a prayer together, and then we're going to make space. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction. Praise Jesus for that. So we're going to practice today listening to that still small voice, drawing you towards the light and to Jesus. And after we read this prayer, you can respond in your seat. You can pray with somebody with you, near you, 
Or you can come up to the front or to the side and just kneel before Jesus if you want to kneel. My husband and I and Ben and a few others will also be up front if you want somebody to pray with you. We invite you to engage in this holy act of confession today in any way that you feel led. We're going to put this prayer up on the screen. Perfect. And will you join me as we enter into a holy time of confession? This is a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you through our own fault in thought, in word, in deed, and in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Christ Jesus, forgive us of all of our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.